0: Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. So good morning. Good morning. Well, you can go and ask for a coffee, another coffee, um, on you know my tab, because you didn't answer us, you had coffee already. Mind you, I had three already, so that will explain a lot. Uh Good morning. Okay, there you go. Now more like it. My name is Minor Mota. Welcome to Villa Church. We are a multi-site church, which means that we have different campuses, and we worship not just in one language but in more than one language. We are multicultural, we are multi-generational and multi-site. and we are welcome you to the West Campus. And today it's my privilege to preach. you to share with you the Word of God. My name, again, is Minor, Minor Mota, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And today, we have um, a very interesting text that we are going to uh, go into. Um, Let me just remind you that we are in a series of sermons based on the Gospel of Luke, oh, sorry, the Gospel of Mark. I'm a year and a half (laughs) again. Gospel of Mark. (laughs) All right. So, uh, and so far, we have several sermons on just the first chapter. Chapter one, we haven't even finished chapter one. But let's recap and see what has happened so far. Well, so far, we have seen Jesus being announced by his cousin. John the Baptist, he has been commissioned by the the Father. He has been filled with the Holy Spirit. He has been victorious over sin and Satan in the wilderness during the time of temptation. And now he has recruited and some of his disciples are following him. So far, all the potential credentials he needed as the Messiah have, have been granted to him. By the Father, right? And he begins his ministry, his earthly ministry. Now, what we are going to see is during this text that Jesus has full authority granted by the Heavenly Father to do what he sent him to do, all right? Now, the stage is set. He can begin his earthly ministry in the full authority of the Son of God as God himself in the flesh. So, we will pick up the text starting with chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. All right? It says like this. Then they went into Capernaum, and, they, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in, the, in their synagogue and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus? Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Now, before I go deeper into the text, let me preface it by saying the following. All of us, you and I, everyone else, we all have a source of authority and influence in our lives that will determine our thought life and our behavior. Right? We all have a source of authority. We all depend on something, rely on something, on the way we think and the way we behave. Correct? All right. Now, for some, it may be, yeah, well, it may be uh, uh, intellect. It could be reasoning, it could be experience, it can be tradition. For some, who or what is popular on social media? The influencer, the juror, the person who is the the influence. And a lot of people base their thinking and their behavior on what someone else is saying, on the opinion of of someone else. And that becomes an authority in our lives. Why do you do this? Why do you follow that? Why do you behave this way? Why do you say the things that you say? Right? Well, for those of us who are Christians, we call ourselves Christians. The Bible teaches, no, the Bible commands that we have complete, total, and comprehensive submission to the obedience or in obedience to Jesus' authority and no one else. The Bible is clear about it. You're either in or you're out. You're under the authority of Jesus or you're not. There's no room for, well, I don't know about that, as we will see later on. But you will say, but why? Why should I give total and complete authority to Jesus over every aspect of my life? Well, that's what the text is all about. And I'm going to share with you at least three reasons for which we as Christians should totally and completely submit our allegiance to Jesus. Number one, the authority of his word. Number two, the authority of his judgment. And number three, the authority of his power. The authority of his word The authority of his judgment and the authority of his power. So, let's dive in. Number one, the authority of his word. Verses 21 and 22. Let's read it again. Then they went into Capernaum, and and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Well, let's understand what is happening. Jesus has recruited his, fir- his first disciples, and now they go on the Sabbath, which is the day of worship in the Old Testament, and they go and enter into a synagogue. A synagogue was a place of gathering, and this dates back to the time of captivity. When the Israelites were captive, they had been conquered, um, subdued, and moved to another kingdom in Babylon, in Because they could not worship at the temple that was destroyed, that was left behind in Jerusalem, now they have to find a place to worship, right? And that became a synagogue, like a church, right? It's a church, a building, a place where people will gather together. What was the requisite? Ten males. They didn't count women. They didn't count kids. It was based on ten males that are willing to come and worship together. That became a synagogue. Now... What will happen in a, syn- a synagogue? Well, there will be reading of the Scripture, there will be prayer, there will be worship, and someone will explain the Scripture. Well, it looks like a, like a service today, right? Very much so. So actually, we some of the things that we do date back to what they were doing at first. When the first believers, the first Christians, um, you know, became, you know, followers of Christ, Many of those things followed with them because they were what? Jewish. So they were used to what happened in the synagogue. So we followed that that pattern. So the historians tell us that during the time of Jesus, around the time of Jesus, there were at least 500 synagogues in Jerusalem. 500 of them. So there was the temple, right? But there were these, you know, around 500 of these places of worship, Around the city of Jerusalem. So now this has happened in Capernaum. And in there, now Jesus comes into this place. There were no there was no sacrifice at that place because sacrifice only happened at the temple. These were houses of worship. Follow me? Okay. So Jesus walks now into on, on the Sabbath into the synagogue, and the first thing that he does is what? Teach. He starts to teach. Now, Mark does not tell us what the content of the teaching was. He doesn't tell us, oh, well, you know, he, was, he read this text, and based on this text, he started to say, well, you know, as the prophet said, or this is the prophet that said the following. And no, it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us uh, anything about it. Why? Mark is not so interested in what was taught. He was interested in who was teaching. You know why? Well, the text continues saying that they, as, as soon as he started teaching, they were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. The reason Mark does not talk about what was taught is because he was saying authority himself, the word of God itself was present. Not just explanation. The author of life, the one who had spoken the universe into existence was there. He was the authority. Not so much the word of God, but the word that came out of his mouth. Follow me? So much so that people were like, wow. The word that is used there for amazed or astonished is something that says that you are of your senses. It, it says that, that, that they, they, It says um, the word is eclepso. It literally means to be at a loss, to be knocked out of one's senses, to be struck out of one's self with awe and wonder. In today's vernacular, you know, if we're just texting, we'll say they were blown away. Jesus blew their minds. In a good TikTok, it will go like this. Watch. Right? No words. People know like... Right? That's what happened. There, he, Jesus, blows... Their, their mind, Jesus' messages, message was so riveting and powerful that his audience just was sat there in a stunned silence, hanging on to every single word that came out of his mouth. Later on, Luke describes a, a reaction similar to that. He says that, that people were just so quiet because they were captivated by everything they heard. Now what was so amazing about his teaching, though it doesn't tell us what was said, the description of the people, their reaction was he speaks like one who has authority. If you look for that word, it means several things. Rule, dominion, jurisdiction, full right, power, privilege, prerogative. All those things were inside of what what Jesus personified that day. Jesus thought with absolute conviction, objectivity, dominion, and clarity. There was no, well, would you? He spoke the word. And the word itself, he knew, had power. He spoke the truth with unwavering confidence as the king and ruler. Someone said that when Jesus spoke, his teaching was in the unbridled and unhindered power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the interesting thing here Is that authority here doesn't have to do with how loud he was. You can be extremely loud and extremely wrong. It wasn't how loud. It wasn't that you know, can you amp the mic please? No. He spoke in a way that people knew that there was something that they had never seen. So much so that they compared, and they said, he does not, he speaks with such authority, not like. So there was a comparison, the scribes. Who were the scribes? Well, the scribes were um, a group of people who, in the Bible, we call them the teachers of the law, the lawyers. They were skilled in the interpretation and the explanation of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, of your Bible, right? And so they will come to the synagogues, and after the, the scroll was read, or they will themselves will read it, and then they will go on to explain. Now, Why the comparison? Why is it that they they say, well, they are not just like the scribes? Jesus is not like the scribes. They don't have authority. He speaks with authority. Well, what happened is that the group of scribes, these rabbis, as we know them later, they date back to the time of Ezra, who was one who explained, who read the, the Word of God and explained. And so they started to... Growing, growing, grow in the ranks. And these was, were like professionals; they were professional preachers, right? The people who will explain the word of God. But this is the problem: as they departed from Ezra in time and space, they were extremely good, extremely professional at someone else's opinion. So they always explain by relying on the previous rabbi. Or someone else who was famous. So they will go like this. They will go and say things like, Malachi, you know, the text of Malachi has been read. Or the prophet Isaiah has been read. Rabbi so-and-so, Solomon, said this, 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 this. And I quote. And also, Rabbi Sheshachal also said this, this, this. And people were like, oh... Oh, and you know what the problem was? The problem is that they were experts on someone's opinion of the author of the Word of God. Follow me? Not unlike a lot of people today, including Christians, who are experts on someone else's opinion on the Scripture, or someone else's opinion on circumstances, do you, do you see the connection back to where I started when I said we all have a source of authority and sometimes it's what influences us to the way we think and the way we behave? It's because we follow someone else's opinion. And even when we come to the Word of God, we don't come by ourselves. We come based on what we hear someone else explain about the author and the intention. And we do not rely in the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. So we get used to be fed someone else's food. And so when they contrasted Jesus and the teachers of the law, they said, these guys have an opinion on the opinion of the opinion of the guy who inspired the whole thing. Here is the guy who inspired the whole thing. And that was the source of his authority. So the first reason a Christian should follow Jesus and fall under his authority is because he inspired the book that we follow. Reason number two is because we believe and we trust the authority of his judgment. So verses 23 and 24 says, Just then, Well, as Jesus is explaining, as Jesus is talking, as Jesus is preaching, this happens. A man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out. What do you have to do with us, Jesus? Of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So... If we follow the text, it says that right in the middle of the explanation, in the worship service, in the, in, in the time when Jesus is explaining, a man erupts and disturbs the whole thing. And he's like, what do you have to do with us? As a matter of fact, it says that it cringed. That, that it, it was a shout. It was, it was like fear and, and, and rage because he knew who Jesus was. So two things happened here. There are two declarations and there are two questions. Declaration number one. I know who you are. And it branches into two things. So, the first one, the declaration branches into two. Okay? I know who you are. So he will, he will make a declaration about his humanity, but he will also make a declaration about his divinity. And he says, I know who you are. You are Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this is kind of like saying, you were born where? You came from like what? It would be like us saying, like, you come from a city that starts with C. <laughs> well, at least we got to the semifinals. I will not say the name. Okay? But anyways, it would be like, you know, you come from where? Where? Nothing good comes out of that. As a matter of fact, there's an incident when when disciples are being gathered, and, you know, it says, hey, 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 listen. One of them says, come and meet Jesus. Who is he? Jesus from Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? You. Right? There's a text that tells us that. So at that time, especially the lawyers, the, 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 the people who represented, you know, the rabbis, they were like, nothing good can come out of that city. So the demon is mocking Jesus at first. (laughs) But that didn't last too long. Because he says, on the second portion, the second branch, I know who you are, and you are the Holy One of God. You may be inside that body and everyone is looking at the body and they don't understand who you are but I know who you are. And although I know you come from Nazareth and you, I also know you are the Holy One of God. And that's an important declaration. Because the moment darkness encounters light the contest is over. What happens? Two questions. First, a declaration that branches into two. Now, two questions. Number one, what do you have to do with us? Darkness, light, nothing in common. Kingdom of Satan, kingdom of God, nothing in common. Friends, there's absolutely no in-between. You either belong to one or you belong to the other. Later on in in, um, uh, Revelation, it tells us that, you know, I wish you were cold. Or you will actually be hot. But that in-between, the lukewarm, I will vomit vomit you out of my mouth. There's no in-between, friends. You either submit to the total authority of Jesus as your Lord and your King, or you don't. You'll say, wow. And people go in, uh, and ask you, what did you, know, did you hear at church today? We're talking about demons. in <laughs> full allegiance. And I got to decide. Well, you got it. This is the thing. The demons knew that Jesus had come and that there was nothing in common between one kingdom and the other. And they knew that you either belonged to one and submitted to one or the other. They knew the beginning was right there. The beginning of the end. So that leads us to the second question There is also a declaration. The first one was, what do you have to do with us? We have nothing in common. There's nothing in common. We want the destruction of humans, you want to save them. We want to, you know, everything to, to go literally to hell, you want to save everyone. There's nothing in common between us. We push one agenda, you come for a different one. You see that? Now, they say, well, <laughs> Ah, uh, have you come to destroy us? It's not just a question, it's actually a declaration. They knew if there was someone who had all the authority and all the power to destroy them, was who? The Son of God, the Holy One of God. The demons sat in judgment in the presence of Jesus. What is interesting about this is that Jesus didn't go about casting demons like looking for them. Every time he had an encounter, it was because he just was present. He didn't go out looking for a fight. fight came to him. And when the fight came to him, he just said something and the demons left. Because he has all authority for judgment. Over the demons. They knew that when Jesus showed up, he was going to send them to the lake of fire. Even before Jesus preached about it in Matthew 25 in the Olivet discourse. They knew about that place. And they knew they were where they were going. Now, we've been talking about demons, and you will go like, Well, I never had a course on demons. I don't know, you know, I uh, kind of like I watched uh, some horror things, I read some things, I watched some doctor videos about it and, you know, spooky things. Let me tell you who they are. They are real. The Bible tells us they are real. As a matter of fact, they tell us that one-third of them follow Satan as he fell from heaven and he was cast out, one-third of all the angels. You will go like, one-third of all the angels? Yes, the good news is that two-thirds are for us. Follow the math, right? Like 33 and 66, kind of. Okay, so two thirds are for us. They're ministering spirits according to Hebrews, and they are with us for us. They're on our side. You got like one third of them like us, billions and billions. Yeah, absolutely. But multiply that by two. They're called unclean spirits, demons. Um, some of them are free to roam the earth today, maybe in a worship service. Did you notice that it was a worship service with the unclean spirit manifested itself? I, I, I'll talk about that later on. Just, just hold on. I put it in there, okay? Some of them will be free to roam during the tribulation. Um, some of them have been confined to never be able to just be about, out and about. They are powerful personalities, but they are not omnipotent or powerful. Only God is. And we function in the authority in the name of the all-powerful God, right? Some of them um, or their activity may have uh, increased during the time of Christ and will also, again, in the coming of time, end of time. They are under the full authority and control of Satan and they probably have ranks and even Daniel tells us, the book of Daniel, that they have um, uh, power over certain regions and geography. They have authority and can promote this unity, false doctrine, inflict disease, cause mental difficulties, and listen to this, hinder Christian growth. It will go, whoa, Christians? Absolutely. Listen to what I'm going to say. Demons can oppress but not possess believers. And you will ask, how? When we open doors, windows, and opportunities through sin, through going back into the occult, not fully relying on the Word of God, we are opening doors for the evil one to oppress and to influence our lives. We either are under one authority or the other. Do you see why it's so dangerous to be in the middle? to open doors to flirt with things which do not belong to God because we're given that authority in my life that now I submit to God to someone else to do whatever he wants it is plain and simple now why is it that the devil that the demon Ask the second question. Remember the second question? Have you come to destroy us? 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, tells us the following. It says, the one who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose. To destroy the devil's work. Jesus' revelation on earth was twofold. One to pay for the debt that we had due to sin to God. And number two, to destroy the works of the devil. The Bible tells us he has all authority. So when the demons are in the presence of Jesus, they go like, You have come to destroy us. We know. We know you have come to do this. Okay. So, two reasons we have seen so far for which we are to submit fully to Jesus' authority. One, because the authority of his word. Number two, the authority of his judgment. Right? Now, number three, the, the authority of his power. Okay? So, verses 25 to 28. It reads, Then they were all amazed. So they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Okay. So what happens is that at the moment when this spirit inside this man shouts out, Jesus goes like, Can someone help me? No. Did you see what I saw? No. He says, Be silent. Get out. He spoke with authority. He had the authority of the word that the the people were like amazed. He had authority over the, the, the evil spirits and they recognized that. They saw that and they went like, ooh, he came to destroy us. But now he displays the authority. He shows everyone, I do have the authority over these demons. Not just the word, but indeed. And he says, be silent. And good, it's a good minorism will be shut up. <laughs> he basically says, shut your mouth. I don't want you to declare, I don't want you to be me, my PR and my, my marketing uh, you know, person. I know who I am. You also know where you're going. Get out. It was a command without the option to disobey. It was clear. It was concise. There was no, oh, let's open the book and read the incantation thing. There's no, like, where is my wand? No. It didn't work that way. Jesus displayed his authority, the creator of the universe, the one who was there before the angels, the one who brought everything into existence, says, you quiet and get out. And he is the God. By the way, he is the one that we worship. The one that has full authority. In his word, in his judgment, and in his power. So they were like, whoa! The man, convulsing. is set free now. And people turn to each other, and they're amazed. What kind of teaching is this? One with authority. Follow me. You see why it's so important to acknowledge Jesus' authority over his church and my life? Your life? They said this is new. This is different. So what happens here? Huh. Interesting thing is that We see something, and I debated at the beginning, to, you know, where do I start this sermon? Well, let me tell you. There are two responses in that encounter. There are two responses. One is the response of the people, and the other one is the response of the demons. The people, it says in two different places, were amazed. They were like, wow. So cool. So, so cool. The demons feared, and they cringed, and they screamed. You know what the difference was? The people were amazed, but they didn't know who Jesus was. The demons knew who Jesus was. And they responded accordingly. What do I learn from that? You can be in a worship service. You can come to church. You can claim to be a follower of Jesus and be amazed every Sunday. Blown away! That was a good sermon, Pastor. That was so cool. I will TikTok this one. Send the clip. You see, um, um. I'm leaving tomorrow, God willing, to visit my granddaughter. Every day, my, uh, my daughter sends a clip, a little video or a picture of baby Lucy. She's in England. And so uh, every day, we delight in this. And everyone's like, oh, awesome. Oh, beautiful. Oh, amazing. Oh, really cool. And so I call my daughter one of these days, and I go like, hey, do you remember that amazing video? And she says, which one? You see, you can be amazed by something, but not transformed by it. You can be blown away and go, like, that was awesome, and tomorrow, what? Sometimes we are entertained beyond our capacity to handle it, because it was emotion. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be an authority in your life that will reign over your thoughts and your behavior. And that was the difference. Because when you come under Jesus' authority, it means that you have a personal relationship with him and you're submitting every single aspect of your life to him. Sometimes we can be entertained, but not transformed. And we need to be careful about that. Very careful. Because... We go and say, "Well, you know, I'm going to church, but I, you know, I can still do these other sort of things." And you will be opening doors for the devil, one, with, through the demons, to influence your life. There's only one authority in the universe, and his name is Jesus. He has conquered Satan, death, and the grave, Amen. and we submit to his authority. There were two reactions, and I don't want you today to just be amazed or blown away. I pray that you will be transformed by the agency of the Holy Spirit. What was the end result? The net result? What happened is that it says that his fame went out, no text, (laughs) no emails, no social media, People started to say things. You have never heard this guy. You have never seen this guy. And that happens when you are transformed, not just entertained. You want to be an influencer? Shouldn't we all aim to be an influencer for God? For people to follow him because of what he has done in our lives? Friends, friends, we all have someone in our lives that, that we care for, that we love, and we know that their biggest influence is not Jesus, that their biggest authority is not Jesus. We need to pray for them. We need to ask God. You know, Charles Spurgeon said the following, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees imploring them to say and if hell must be filled at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Sometimes all we can do is that, pray. And that will be our love in action. not judgment, prayer, love, and example. Let our church be a church where we have that fire and that desire to reach those who are asleep and far away from Christ. One night, um, a church was burning down it was on fire, it was burning down. And the pastor who loved the church, and pastor of the church, is looking at the church. And then all of a sudden he sees that there's a fellow right there beside him. Who's seen us, you know, entertained by the whole thing. And he looks at the guy and he goes, I, I recognize you. I have invited you many times to the church, but you never came. And the guy says, well, yeah, I never seen the church on fire. Follow me? You know why Jesus was famous? It's because people who were in direct contact with him were on fire. So what do I do with a sermon like this? <laughs> I, was, I, I was telling uh, Pastor Daniel, and I go like, thank you, Daniel. You know, he posted this picture of, uh, you know, blue skies. Bicycle ride, and I go out. It's like orange sun haze, and I get to preach about demons. (laughs) We need to pray for our pastor every day, and if he is taking some deserved time off with the family, bless him. We will pray for him, right? So, anyways, I said thank you, Daniel. Now, what do you do with a sermon like this? Number one, stay away from the occult. Stay away from all those spiritual things. If you need to know about the present, your past, and your future, it is right here. It is right here. And you get to know the author. You get to know the one who inspired, And you get to know the one who has authority over the word, over judgment, and over every single principality. You get to know him person. So stay away from Ouija boards, witchcraft, astrology, tarot, cards, horoscope, and all of that. You don't need that. If you are a son and a daughter of God, you know you're going to heaven. You have eternal life. What else do you need to know? Tomorrow, Jesus is there. Yesterday, he was there. Today, he is there. And forever, he'll be there. But if you have opened that door, repent. He will forgive you. His grace is there. And he will bring you back under his authority. Don't give ground to Satan. If you have unconfessed sin or you are living in sin, confess that. Live a pure life. Don't do drugs, abuse, alcohol. Why open yourself to influences? If you are willingly and openly disobeying God, close that door and submit yourself to his authority. He is there for you. You see, when a sinner understands the grace, unlike the demons who know they are condemned to hell, they know there is A place for grace for them, and they run to Jesus. And I invite you to do that. He's waiting for you. Put on your spiritual armor at all times and submit to his ever loving and merciful authority. You see, he's not a tyrant. He wants what is best for you, and he is there for you. So today, would you reflect on what has been shared? And ask yourself, am I truly and fully under God's authority and covering? Have I submitted my thoughts and my, and my body and my life to Him? What is the greatest influence of my life? His word, His spirit, or what everyone else is saying? He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you so you don't have to die. He paid for your sins. It's not about doing, it's about your faith in what He has done. Let's reflect as we worship Him, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Ask, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me through this word? And if is there something I need to confess, do it. He will cleanse you and forgive you. Thanks for listening, and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.